0: If you love it, you'll do it. You know what I mean? If you don't love it, then don't do it.
1: What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Jaron Deutsch, and you're listening to Chasing Status, a brand new podcast where we sit down with up and coming musicians, gain some insight on their journey and lessons learned thus far, and talk about where they plan to go from here. The purpose of chasing status is to give artists a platform to gain exposure they aren't getting yet from major news outlets, publications, radio stations, etc. They will provide inspiration and value to all of you as we help them continue to build their brand and fan base one interview at a time. I had the great pleasure of sitting down this week with Slim Bambino. He doesn't do many interviews, but he was generous enough to come on the pod and chop it up with me. As we were walking into the studio, I said, let's try for 30 minutes. It went for over an hour and i wish it kept going there are a few topics i wanted to take a deeper dive into but i want to try and keep these episodes at least to start in an digestible 30 to 45 minutes if possible this guy is incredibly talented while spoken knowledgeable and kind he's able to form and deliver thoughts in a concise and direct way that really resonates we talk about how we found his sound his many influences advice for aspiring artists his Twitter beef with LL Cool J, his creative process. He even touched on his battles with mental health, which I meant him for letting us in on. And he gives us a sneak peek on what's to come in 2019. I highly recommend you listen all the way through as the interview has gems throughout. Now, if you like what you hear, screenshot your phone and tag at Chasing Status Podcast. Throw us five stars on iTunes. And tell your friends and family. If you have any feedback, feel free to leave a comment or DM me. My Instagram handle is at jarondeutsch, J-A-R-O-N-D-E-U-T-S-C-H. That's it. Thank you guys for tuning in and enjoy this packed interview with Slim Bambino.
0: So I don't have to like sit on that fucking 405, to right. the 101, to the f- f- back onto the, fire. I forget what the last one is, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's too many. So are you from LA? Um, no, I'm from the Bay Area originally. Oh, cool. Yeah, okay. to East Bay.
1: And how long have you been living out here? June
0: of 2015, so like three and a half years. Okay. Right? Yeah. Damn, that's cool. wild.
1: And what brought you out? Music? Yeah. What brought you into music originally?
0: Uh, I don't know. It, I mean, it just kind of came naturally. I, I'm weird with dates. Yeah. So I remember, like, the, the day, the moment when I realized I wanted to do music. Like, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. It was uh, November 1st, 2003. I was watching Saturday Night Live with my parents. And Under 3000, it was right when the speaker box in Love Below dropped. I think it, it hadn't dropped yet, but hey, I was a single. And so Under 3000 came out in his suspenders. And I was like, oh, this is cool. From there, I started writing. I think I was nine and a half. My mom got me my... um. TR-808 when I was like 12, and then I got an MPC-3000 because that's... J. Dill is my favorite producer ever. The RZA and, you know, a lot of a lot of my idols had that, so I was like, I want to get that, so she got that for me when I was like 15. Besides that moment, I, I think it just kind of came naturally. I was a dancer when I was a kid, like a hip-hop dancer, so I was kind of already around it. Plus, my parents had completely different types of music that they liked. Like, my mom was more into 80s... Uh, Smith type stuff and then like kind of soul stuff and my dad was into 60s rock and kind of the other side of 80s UK early on I was just kind of introduced to the whole array of things right and then I kind of fell to hip-hop originally like that's when I really got into music was like West Coast big Wu-Tang you know like anyone else but then over time I've kind of gotten into everything else or kind of adapted
1: yeah I was gonna ask rap specifically Mm-hmm. That's been your genre of choice.
0: I, I would say it's my genre that I fell into first. Right. I, I obviously love making rap as of now. I mean, it's revolving door, but I like songwriting. Like, rap to me is not... I mean, it, it rap is songwriting. It's the most dense songwriting. Like, people don't realize that, you know, a regular verse 16 bars. And for usually a full song, you do, you know, two hooks, two verses, a bridge, outro, s- something along those lines. So you're writing compared to a regular pop ballad or like a Radiohead song, there's some, Alt-J, there's some songs that just have four recurring bars the entire time. With rap, a lot of the time people don't have that much to talk about. It's tough to, for people to be completely 100% truthful. You know, 90% of rap is false. Right. It's because there's not that much to talk about. Especially when you're somebody like, as prolific as like Jay-Z, who has 14 albums. It's like, I mean he's unique because he's greatest of all time but like it's it's tough to be that consistent whereas songwriting you can have more depth within those four recurring bars layered with the instrumental aspect of it and come away with way more than you do with a four minute rap song because you don't you don't get an opportunity especially now where there's literally there's too much music i used to like take pride in memorizing rap lyrics and all that i don't have time to even listen to music that consistently like a song that much because there's just too much other good stuff to listen to Whereas, like, you know, if you make a song that has eight sentences basically in it, it's a lot easier to connect to it, feel it, and then also take away from the sound of it, which is, I think, what music's all about, is the feeling. Again, I, I don't dislike rapping, but it's it's become very e- easy, so it's it kind of bores me. So I've been trying to, I've been branching out, started a punk band, working on some R&B stuff, my pl- and then I'm working on a collab project with uh, my homie as well, so trying to do four or five separate types of genres in the next year okay yeah that's but, awesome yeah staying frisky
1: you mentioned you said you're from the bay and you mentioned mm-hmm. a couple artists yeah. who else would you say inspires you from the bay from the bay or also just you know from um
0: anywhere? well to lead off from the bay um i i keep like lists like in my notes i have list upon list upon list whether it's like my favorite directors or it's my idols or it's my favorite rappers or it's people who inspire me so like there's so many different sub levels of that so like when it comes to the bay like if you listen to my music the underline like the bounce the tempo i like to kind of stay in between 98 to 94 i find my comfort zone in the low end so like i i, I can make a whole project just based off of a bassline, some drums and then maybe some vocal chops that i record myself and then i just use them as the high top of everything so that's bay, like andre nicotina messy marv Mac Dre is obviously big E-40, Hustla, Too Short, there's so many people from the Bay Area, you know what I mean, like it's a culture there, it's the most underrated, I mean, that, that everyone will say this about their own region, but it's a lot of the music, a lot of the stuff you hear on the radio now that's been commercialized came from the Bay Area. All the like Adriana Grande type poppy stuff that stays between that same tempo like the low end of all that comes from one place specifically and that's up there and then there's you know producers out there as well that you know like the track masters and overall people who inspire me uh, D'angelo is my favorite artist of all time Voodoo is my favorite album of all time so that that project in particular inspired me to step out of the box initially when it came to like vocalizing and all that and so did so did uh the love below but the lead below was too bizarre for the time that I was listening to it. But when I found Voodoo in like a song like Left and Right or Devil's Pie, obviously I, D'Angelo has a voice that a handful of people have on planet Earth, but like he uses it in a way where, I mean, he can make something like, how does it feel? And then he can make Devil's Pie and uh, Spanish joint, and they all have a different tone to them, or like Africa. And so it kind of inspired me to teach my, because I've never had classical training in anything. My, my school was just listening. So he's big, Nina Simone, Erica Badu. I've always found that all of them have something in common. And it's tough to listen to a lot of music nowadays because it just blends. Like a lot of, and this is by no means... To put any of the music down, but Travis Scott, like every time I hear a Travis Scott song, I feel like it's like a stock sound. <clears throat> so for people who have distinct voices, and the same goes for producers. Like literally, if you played play a playlist of 5,000 songs, and a Premier beat came on, or a Dilla beat came on, or a Dr. Dre beat came on, or a RZA beat came on, or a Timbaland beat, or the Neptune, like you, they they have a distinct sound. There's a reason that they've been able to stay around because they were able to either adapt or stay within their pocket while adjusting to what era they found themselves in. I mean, Kanye's the king of that, but unfortunately he's let his antics kind of take over all his legend, so. Right. Which is a shame, because he's also a huge inspiration of mine. If, I mean, if you looked at my arm, that's, I, my, my whole arm is basically logos or bomb covers of people, you know, every one of my idols. So, I mean, Flying Lotus, Danny Brown, I'm a really big punk fan, so I mean, people like Ian Curtis, who I think post-punk, everyone just tries to recreate unknown pleasures. It's just a fact. Yeah. Sex Pistols, uh, Gang of Four, Entertainment, I think is the best punk album of all time. I was gifted with the ability to kind of have tolerance for a wide-ranging sound of music, you know. When it comes to music, I would say that I I take bits and pieces from everyone. So like what I was saying about the list, like when it comes to flow, I've, you know, you listen to Man Biggie, Yazin Bey, and then you sprinkle in a little bit of Kendrick and Andre, Danny Brown, occasionally, so those are like my flow gods uh when it comes to sound i mean the berry is big like i said the low end kanye the most important album to me ever it's not my favorite album it's it's up there but uh did january uh, june 18th 2013 is when uh born sinner watch a movie with the sound off and yeezy came out the scope of what i was doing changed that album in particular is extremely important to me a few years before then you had watch the throne with uh dark dark fantasy back to back That was kind of the era of Kanye that most vastly inspired me. I still do the same things with vocal chops, the pitch down samples, the, the, the Rick Rubin drawing back of things. I used to have really cluttered shit. And just being able to eliminate these overwhelming clattering hats and then just going maybe every fourth note instead and then fucking them up at the end. I mean, there's so many random things that inspire me along the way. Um, but I would say if I was doing an album, it would be that, Jesus And uh, probably my biggest musical inspiration will probably be Andre, just because it's the the range, the chameleon aspect to him. The same goes for Danny Brown. I mean, if you listen to the hybrid I and mean, you listen to XXX, it's two different people. Or on old, he had side A and side B. The ability to do that is something, because I can't listen to just rap anymore. I need, I need more. You know what I mean?
1: No, absolutely, yeah.
0: So, yeah, those are...
1: Untuck the Hop. Mm-hmm. It was in your song Virginia Beach. Mm-hmm. It's something that Jay Z said in the studio. Mm-hmm. It's on all your socials. Yep. Do you want to go into that and describe what that is?
0: Um, yeah. Well, uh, like I, I said a little earlier, Jay Z is. <laughs> this is, this sounds crazy. I know it does, but if you kind of step back for a second and look at the scope of it, I Jay Z to me is like uh, my God. I'm not saying that I'm completely religiously, but. You know he exists so i have that against every other religion <laughs> right. but he's somebody who i think well depending on how you define losses i don't think he's ever taken one you know you could look at stuff like well title he bought it for 50 million well then he flipped a third of his share for 200 so that's not a loss or you could look at the whole beyonce well he cheated on her blah blah, blah. well we still don't know because she came out with Lemonade. He came out four for four, and they did the on the run tour 2 and probably got 25 million at least a piece out of that. Right. So I don't know if that's a loss either. So ever since I was a kid, he embodies everything that I strive to be at some point in my life. He's just the coolest dude on earth. He does this thing where he every six to eight months he comes out with a feature just to remind us who's who's really the best. Like he just did it on Meek's album, right. and it's just like it's just it's kind of crazy. But you know, uh, the Virginia Beach song was a dedication to all my inspirations from there. So, Missy, who I didn't mention before, but she's big. Um, The Neptunes, Chad, um, Pharrell, Shay, Timbaland, Teddy Riley, the clips, Pusha T's and my top ten forever, solidified. He dropped the album of the year. Um, That was a, that was a uh, ode to them. So, that clip was from Fade to Black, which was a documentary made about um, the black album, the making of the black album for Jay-Z, which was at the time going to be his last album. And I just always, I I go back to that all the time. And I just always remember there was one time I was watching it. It was probably the 1200th time I'd I'd seen it. But he was was, uh, just about to play Dirt Off Your Shoulder. And then like the reaction after is like my favorite visual of all time, where it's just like, I, I can't even describe it definitely look it up because it's great. I never picked it up before when you said untuck the hop. That's something that I, that's the, my favorite aspect of what I make is, is the bounce. Right. It's uh, the future bounce, the spooky jig, the eerie funk, you know? So I think that that's definitely something in particular that my rap, you know, that aspect of my music exudes for sure. It just stuck with me. And I remember when I caught that for the first time, I was like, man, that's fucking, that's dope. And then I made that beat, and then it was just untuck the hot. let your body do the talk. Yeah. And then it was, uh, I just made the Neptune-type sounding drums, um, and then I just had the references sprinkled throughout, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I just, I mean, for that phrase in particular, I think it's something that's just, uh, it's like kind of a callback for me to just keep me centered if I ever can't, if I, I haven't been there for a while, but um, if I ever find myself um reluctant to make something or feeling like I can't just go back to the drawing board mm-hmm. make some drums chop up some samples chop up your own voice do something just untuck what's inside you know the hop you're trying to make
1: so you're saying if you ever like lose that creative motivation or mm-hmm. writer's block whatever it is yeah that mindset is always what do, you, yeah. what do you fall back on
0: yeah so I mean it's and that could mean you know just literally sitting at my computer staring at my computer and just trying to program some drums for hours or i find a lot of gold within like obscurity so like i'll i'll go to like paul chambers you know album from the early 1940s or something i'll find a horn in there and then i'll manipulate the horn and i'll create a whole track out of the horn cuz within every second of music there's something to be used like there was just i just made a song the other day off of a quarter point or whatever point 25 second portion of a slime the family stone song of a drum loop, so it was literally not even a drum loop. And I sped it up super fast and became like a very fast paced pop record. It kind of brings me back to earth and saying that, like, if I when, I, when I get into a place where I'm just like, I, 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 there's nothing, I, I don't have anything to work with, it's like, either hey, you have everything to work with. Okay. Everywhere. I mean, I could literally, like, stomp on this, like that, and that could become something. Right. Just so add a little verb to it, you know, space it out a little bit, stretch it. So you produce a lot of your own stuff. And Koopa yeah. Jacobs? Mm hmm.
1: Is that your, uh, Low key producer name that you want to try and keep separate, or? Yeah, I'm
0: not. Too, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care too much as I used to about the anonymity of everything. Um, right. Maybe I will again down the line, but another one of my ongoing lists is just uh, monikers. You know, for. Uh, I've done like some acting, I have a different name for that, and I've. for writing, and you know, f- for everything that I do, I like to have a different name for it. The, the character of. Who, who I am when I do, like, like ad-libs. It's like a, I, when I put it into my project, I have a name form. Um, it allows me to feel as if it's a collaboration within myself gotcha. instead of just, like, because it, it can get... <laughs> it gets, you know, I'm here for the holidays, and I, I, I like my independence, don't get me wrong, but it does get very tight sometimes where you feel like the walls are collapsing in on you. So even if it means you know, changing my name on the producer tag or something that, you know, it, it feels as if it's, I'm not the only one because I, I do virtually all my own production. So it's, it gets exhausting. So it's, it's kind of like a, a thing for me, but, uh, I also, <laughs> I have a separate email for Cooper Jacobs. So I, I, I uh, enjoy, I enjoy getting emails where the person's like, Hey, like, I love your production. It's like, you should be working with better artists, which is me. You know what I mean? Or something like that. Right. That, that brings me joy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it hasn't happened too much, but it's I like that aspect that like, people, you know, the frailty of man that will literally, <laughs> a guy will listen to a song, won't like the vocals on it, but will like the beat. And if it's a different name, he'll reach out and let you know. Now, okay. if I put produced by Slim Bambino, he probably doesn't reach out or whatever. But just knowing that at least one part of it works, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, absolutely. Yeah, so. Um, Yeah, and I also just kind of like to keep as much as possible, like, my personal life separated as well. So it's just, it's all, and again, like I said, I've, there was a long time I didn't even like taking pictures and stuff. I've, I've became more comfortable in that. And down the line, I probably want to step back again. But right now, there's really no point in being this ominous, mysterious individual i mean i am f- still i'm a I've, this, I've passed up doing stuff like this for a long time so giving a little inside look or whatever i guess is it doesn't it doesn't hurt anybody yeah
1: yeah and i appreciate you coming on
0: yeah thanks for having me
1: so this is kind of off topic but mm-hmm. um this rap battle or rap beef you had on twitter with Ella cool j that oh, was lo cool j yeah you. okay
0: i never go on twitter I literally never go on Twitter, and uh, for some reason, LL Cool J popped up, and he was just—I don't—he was going on about fucking something. I'm not a hip-hop purist to the point that I think that like I have to bow down to like the guys from the '80s. Like, yeah. listen, everybody, these are the bricks. It's like I—I I understand that Curtis Blow is important, but I don't think that like his music has aged well. And I don't feel obliged to call him one of the greatest rappers of all time. There's before-wreck-him and there's after-wreck-him. That's how I feel. So if you came before, I probably don't give a fuck about your music. Um, LLCOJ came before. Um, I've never liked his music. I have nothing i I And I say this without any vitriol or anything. I, I, I just think his music sucks. It just it's it was for the time. You know, Madonna's music was for the time. I, I don't like most of Madonna's music, but I understand her significance. In the same way i understand him but at that time and i still do i i have this i just i, I don't understand this this uh, mentality of the the old head against new school thing that you, i'm the best rapper and all these new school guys this isn't hip-hop it's like who are you to define hip-hop when you made hip-hop you, the guy before you probably was saying the same thing adapt or die uh, hip-hop now to me you know I, daytona's probably the album of the year but playboy cardi's album's right there i wouldn't have listened to playboy cardi's album two years ago mm. But it's just music. Like, move with it. I mean, that's why, you know, again, he's not helping himself out recently, but the reason that Kanye has had such a prolific run. uh, I remember Jay said in an interview when Magna Carta came out on, like, The Breakfast Club, he's like, Kanye's like the Indian that runs over the hill and then runs back when people start shooting arrows. Like, he sees what's around the curb. But, like, most of these guys just didn't do it. Like I said, like, it's a lot of popular rappers now. They're multidimensional. They don't just rap. Even if they can't sing, they still sing. You know what I mean? Like, J. Cole can't sing, but he still sings. So, to go back to the point, he was going on about something like that, and I just basically tweeted back. I was like, I'm better at rapping than you. And then we went back and forth, and I was just like, "Like battle me or something. I forget exactly what the terminology. I'm paraphrasing. I was just like, I was being very short and curt, but I was just like, just battle me. Like, I'll, I'll make a song right now, battle me. Um, and so, he DM'd me. God, I wish I had pulled, pulled this up. But, um... Anyways, I was, I was like, I'll make a song tonight. And so I sat down. I don't know how I came to the beat, but it was the Young Jesus beat by Logic. I sat there for like six hours, wrote it out, and recorded it, sent it over to him. And he just had like this uh, petty reply or something. I was drunk <laughs> on a Saturday when he finally replied. And it was one of, it's still, I mean, I, I can say in the song. It's, it's it's still one of the, I can, I can rap when I want to rap. That's why I was saying earlier, rap bores me. It's like, I don't feel that I have to rap that hard currently. I don't feel the pressure of it. At some point I will, and then rap will become exciting for me again because it becomes a sport. It's not just like for fun. He ended up blocking me. I don't know why. I really didn't say anything out of line. And it was a pretty uh, conciseful uh, response, but he never made a song, never made anything else. But you know, old people are going to be old people. You know, there's a story behind everything that I have on right now, the cross hearing and the, the hoop earring and the other one, or the the lines of my eyebrow, or the nose piercing I had up until like a year ago, or all that stuff. There's there's moment or, or a time span that those kind of signify. Just because you grow up with somebody from that era or older, it's this uh, instinctual thing to be just so overly proud or stubborn. Pride and stubbornness is are, are basically the same thing in a lot of ways. So when I see stuff like the El thing, I wasn't. I mean, I honestly just thought like, I've I've never thought he was like a great rapper. I mean, it was different back then, so I understand that, but he hasn't gotten any better. I remember he came out with a freestyle on Dr. Dre's Beats 1 show like a week after that whole hullabaloo and it it got wrecked because it was just like, where are you? Like, where did you come from? This is not 1986, it's just, it's it's over. Everyone, I, I went through that where I'm just like, when this new school happens, going through this resentful thing, and it's just like, this is just music now. This is where it's heading, so it's like, hop on or get off. If you live hip-hop, keep hip-hop, but just adapt. Just change it to what sounds good now, and then keep it. I mean, that's what all the best people do. That's why there are a select few of artists that continue to stay around. There's a reason Drake is where Drake is at now. He was smart, where he would get on remixes of real popular street cuts, and then he would gain the respect of those regions immediately. Look Alive, My Way, Tuesday. Kodak, like all this stuff, like he's he's smart, he co-signs people, and he creates level of respect within that region, and by the time you know it, he's making street records, or he's making records with Take Keith, where he got a, the first song he made with Take Keith was the Look Alive remix, and all of a sudden, he makes, he made the song of the year, debatably, with Take Keith, and all of his best songs on that horrible album, Scorpion, were by Take Keith, you know what I'm saying, he just, he's, he's smart, he adapts. I mean, if you think, listen to "Thank Me Later." It's like that's what music sounded like then. "Take Care" sounds like music, like it sounded then. Every album, he just adjusts, and he has "Boy Wonder," which doesn't hurt. And no. he's a very adaptable producer as well. So it's just about being smart. It's a bit. It's it's people forget it's a business. Like it's it's easy to get lost in the love of it, and the amount of hip hop documentaries I've seen and how repetitive they get and it's just people telling me how important they are it's like that's cool I appreciate what you've done but it's it's I'm, I'm moving on you know what I mean I'll, I'll always use particular people I probably my cutoffs probably 88 for rap maybe 90 Rakim was like around then when he made uh, his like debut I think but kinda of wraps up the L O Cool J kind of point but I've yeah it's I think it's important that people just that. How do you
1: feel about the rappers hearing now with Lil Xan and Smoke Perp and Lil Pump?
0: I mean, they're kids. There was a time, like I said, there was a time when they first, all those guys came out and it was just like, this is horrible, blah, 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 and I was beating that person. I don't listen to Lil Yachty. I don't think his music's good. I also don't know him as a person, I don't know him as a human being, but I know that he bought his mom a house when he was 17. I can't not respect that. For the quality of the music, I th- I, it's funny because each one of those guys has at least one song I actually like a lot. But overall, I mean, they're just, you know, they're doing what anyone else is doing. Eminem dropped an album this year, and people, just because he rapped he rapped it on it. It's like, oh my God, he's back. It's like, no, he's not. He's not back. He's just recycling dumb, you know, rap beefs. He had a rap beef from Machine Gun Kelly that was six years old, and Colin Tyler a fag. It's like, God, dude, you're 45. And he just came out with this 11-minute freestyle, talking about he's back to metaphorically raping girls and all this stuff, it's like, man, talk about not adapting. But, um, I, yeah, I mean, I i don't have anything against any of those guys as long as they don't hit women and um, do dumb shit. You know, they're responsible for their them, themselves, but I don't think that we should bash Lil Xan for having to go to rehab. You know what I mean? I don't like that shit. But I think that there's some guys, that, like, I think Kodak in, tw- like, 21 just dropped one of the best albums of the year. There's some guys that have came out of there. I think Lil Uzi Vert is on the trajectory to becoming, like, an icon. As crazy as that sounds. I agree. There's particular people in that group that I like a lot. I think Kodak is unbelievable uh, unbelievable songwriter. <laughs> and like people may think that's crazy, but go listen to his album. It's easy to lose yourself in like their tone or their delivery or the type of music or cadence they have. Like E40s cadence, it's just he it, it doesn't have one. It's so bizarre. People may look at that and just immediately just write it off. It's like, I don't know if you're listening to him. So yeah, for I mean, for the young guys, like I do this, I I cannot. I just I it, it, in the heart of hearts, of me, I can't I can't hold any resentment against anybody who provides for their family, themselves off of anything. Yeah, just keep doing your thing. Can't hate on that. Yeah, you know, everybody wants it. That's why everyone's so jealous of it. That's why people hate it. Like oh, little pump. It's like well, you know, he did a little Asian eye thing the other day. Mm-hmm. That's not great, but. He's not, I don't uh, I don't know his background too well, but guess what, no, no one else does either. So we don't know how he was raised. We don't know where he was raised. We don't know what the dynamic was there. He still may be literally just 18 in like his second or third year of this fucking circus. Um, can I curse on here? Yeah, Okay. Sure. And it's a circus. You take a peek in, you're like, nah, I'm good. I, I had a peek in right when I moved here. I was doing a lot of work uh, in, in those circles. And I, I can't, you know what I'm saying? As long as, we don't even know if he's, Doing well. I mean, look at Lil Zan. Everything seemed fine, and all of a sudden, tried killing himself on the Instagram live feed and all this shit. And And
1: they're also young.
0: Yeah, nobody. You know, they're they're kids. You know, I'm not an old person, but I'm 25. I've gone through that. And the other thing that people seem to always forget is when you were 17, were you perfect? (laughs) You know what I mean?
1: He was. I was out till
0: five hours ago last night. You know what I'm saying? So it's right. These are kids. You did some dumb shit when I was 18. Very stupid stuff. So uh, they're doing it in front of the spotlight. I mean, people want to give Justin Bieber shit, but, man, that guy was in front of a camera since he was six. You wonder why all these people drop off or become drug addicts by the time that they're 13, especially in this era of social media. You know, basketball players are afraid to get dunked on now because they know that they're going to be on Instagram. I have nothing but, you know, perspective for any of those guys to maintain uh, as long as they do it in the correct way, which is not that hard to do. Have have a fun time. Just don't hurt anyone. <laughs> you know what I mean, or yeah. yourself, right. which is tough. So,
1: if you had to work with anyone, and we talked about a lot of musicians in the mm-hmm. past thirty minutes. But if you could collaborate with anyone, um, who would you work with? It can be
0: new age, old school. Probably Prince. He's one of he's one of those like top five idols of mine. He still is. I mean, he's he's a huge. He had a huge impact on my life. He actually passed. My my one of my best friends passed away from fentanyl um, the day before Prince did, back in twenty sixteen. So. It was, and I've had uh, half dozen more people in the last eighteen months die from the same thing. And you see, little peep. Mac. Mac, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, Prince, D'Angelo for sure, uh, Anderson Pack, Pharrell. Yeah, there's so many. But if I were to pick one, I would probably, I would probably say Prince because he was just a perfectionist. I'm you know, did you ever see him wear a t-shirt? Mm-hmm. Nope. Like, there's not, there's literally not photo episodes of <laughs> Prince ever wearing a t-shirt. He was a, such a mysterious guy. Like you hear all these stories, and you see him on stage. And it's just like, oh, he does like everything, you know? So yeah, yeah anyone, f- I mean, anyone from the Neo Soul era, Quest Love, Erica, obviously, Dilla would be like the producer. I would, his beats, whenever I get into writing or whatever, I just want to write something. I mean, I have all, I have the stock, so I go to Dilla Beats and he really formed my uh, flow in a sense and my production as well. Yeah, I mean, all those guys, but I would, I would say out of anyone, would be Prince for sure
1: what is one thing that most people don't know about you that you're open to sharing Um, on the podcast uh
0: like Kanye's album uh most recent album on the cover it said uh i hate being bipolar it's awesome most people didn't know um i was diagnosed with bpd when i was nine so i've I'm a Gemini, I don't know, if I'm not an astrologist, so I'm not really into all that shit, but if if you look within my heroes, you know, Three Stacks is May 24th, Kanye is June 8th, Miles Davis has the same birthday as me, Gil Scott Heron, same birthday, I'm already two sides of a person, so I'm, um, you know, a lot of the stuff between, you know, the two eyes and SLIM stand for um, intelligence and ignorance, because I like both, and I am both, we all are. Everything's black and white, red and blue, especially now in this climate. So a lot of my music kind of sits within that. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a look into the, the two sides of me. Like, that's why I think that I was able to listen to two completely, grow up with two completely different, you know, styles of music within my household and two completely different personalities. And it's, it's something that's definitely, um, it's helped me in a lot of ways, um, to kind of become more advanced. It's like it's like when you lose a sense, the other ones get stronger or something like that. So I feel that I've gained a lot of control within other aspects of my life due to me having to deal with this on my own. Now, on top of that, I have a lot of other, you know, like epilepsy and I have tinnitus in my ear from a car accident and all this stuff. So it's, but yeah, I guess the BPD, the, the bipolar has been toughest but most important aspect of my life. It's like LeBron was on the shop a few months ago, and he said that, paraphrasing me, he said his greatest moment was when he lost the finals to the Mavericks. If you can, can, can come back from that, you know what I mean? There was a defining moment where it's the worst part of his life is the most important. So to me, that's kind of it, because I still deal with it daily. I mean, I dealt with it yesterday. I was like, I sat, woke up, and I worked on a song for seven hours or so, and then I just like, it's, it's really weird. Um, it's something that kind of comes over you. As the cliche goes, it's like a dark cloud. And all of a sudden, I was there, and then I got panicky and antsy, and it was up to me to deal with it. And especially, you know, like I said, in this climate, it's there's no nuance in any type of conversation, whether it's political or social. It's bizarre to see because it's something that's been going on in my head my whole life. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. conversation. The devil against the angel, or the red against the blue, or the black and the white. There's no gray area anymore, um, which is sad, which I try to speak on. So, um... Yeah, I guess that would be kind of the the one thing became more open to telling people that I say more on the my album which I just finished. So
1: yeah, I want to get into that in a second. Uh, yeah, I can't empathize, you know, because I'm not, not a non musician. But mm-hmm. would you say that when you're recording seven hours a day, mm-hmm. that factors such as isolation and always being in your head because you have to be creative and you have to mm-hmm. you know think of new things all the time? Yeah, would you say that might be a factor that
0: would affect the BPD? I think it gave me an outlet from a young age to help with it. Because, gotcha. like, if I didn't have it, I don't even know where I'd be right now. You know what I mean? Right. In that way, music really did kind of save me. Because, you know, when I, it's it depending on what the mood is. And obviously, it was isolation. Like I said earlier, that's kind of, you know, I do certain things to, you know, with, whether it's a different names or whatever. But, you know, the isolation to some extent is important to me, but at the same time, nothing's good in excess. So I think the music, though, regarding with the bipolar, it's it's probably the main reason that I am sitting here with you today because it's given me that outlet for either side of the spectrum, whichever one I'm dealing with on that certain day, right. or even if, if I'm rock back and forth between the two. Because when it, one thing that whether it's I'm high or low, one thing that will always come out benefiting me is when I make something and I'm like, ooh, and then I forget I forget that I was in my head. Like, because once I, it's whether it's literally just a bass line or a riff. Like, I made, a, <laughs> I was having a conversation with some friends Friday about, how, like, how, like, we were just listening to, like, Christmas songs in the background. I was like, it's crazy how many people have Christmas songs. Mm. Which wasn't uh, to say at all that it was a bad thing. I was just like, I never had realized how many people had Christmas songs. Like, I was like, like, this person has one? Like, who, when did these come out? Like, right. how, this is crazy. And it's for, like, you know, literally one day of the year. I mean, technically, but like a month. But you, you know what I mean. So I made like a uh, I made a Christmas song for this era, <laughs> which I was singing about dropping a day, but I don't have a demo of it, so I may just okay. hold off till next year. But you know, like I woke up and I was in like a weird headspace, and then I just kind of came. Like I was just texting my friend. I was like, kind of want to make a Christmas song, and then I came up with a riff, and then I was gone for seven hours. So right. it was uh, it allowed me to uh, step out of my own head. But yeah, I mean, it, it definitely can have adverse effects sometimes too. Like sometimes I isolate myself too much. When I'm in certain particular spots, I do really get into my own head. Um, whether that's making up, you know, narratives that don't exist or enemies that mean me no harm, or mm-hmm. you know, I, if I don't talk to some people for long enough, I sometimes form resentment. I don't do it any longer, but I did, and it's there's definitely adverse effects to what I do. But it's you know, it's it's like a like anything else, it's what you signed up for. I signed up for it's you know if if you're in a relationship, you know if you have a wife and there's you know you both have things that you probably don't like about each other. Right. You know right. nobody's a perfect match. Right. That doesn't exist, or else you're two psychopaths. You know you just have to you just have to adjust. You got to adapt. <laughs> it's just it's everything's about being able to just kind of adjust to your surroundings, situation, the scenario of everything, and that could literally come back to me just sitting in my chair, feeling like deepest of depths where I'm just in anguish. I just, I have, sometimes you got to deal with it and sometimes you just got to go over and hang out with some friends. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, uh, overall I'd say that, you know, if I'm speaking from gambler terms, I'd say I'm in the green with music, uh, in regards to the effects it's had on that and the isolation aspect of it. More of an outlet as opposed to... Yeah. It's, yeah. that yeah, it's benefited me more than it has not <laughs> i guess right. but yeah for sure i wouldn't be here without it yeah. no doubt
1: so before we get into 2019 yeah my last question for you what advice would you give
0: to musicians that are just getting started patience every song i made for three years i was like this one this is one this is one the first song i released on soundcloud was february 26 2015. and the second one was april 26 2015. and for each one i was like oh this is gonna be it this is gonna be it and i didn't drop one until February 26 the next year and that was like the hit but then I was like there was a sample in it I couldn't clear it. then we did a video for it but we couldn't promote it because of the same it's it's a process and I think the most important thing is and I always thought for the longest time you know quality over quantity which I still do to a far extent but you need to have way more than you're prepared to give like you need to just work just do the just do the work it's, and again, I'm st- I'm still, you know, it's not like I've been here for a decade, but there's a lot you learn. I mean, there's just a ton of speed bumps. Stay humble. Don't be an asshole. It's really easy to be a nice person. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. It's easy to be a, a mean person, too, but, like, it's human nature for a lot of us to just sort of form into people when we get into certain situations. You know, if somebody starts making a lot of money, they may inadvertently start becoming an asshole. Just deal with that because those people exist everywhere. Yeah, but, I mean, just patience. I mean, I'm 25. Jay-Z didn't drop a reasonable doubt until he was 26. Yeah, that's great. Just always remember that. Yeah. And he's the greatest of all time. You know, when I was 18, Mac was dropped Blue Side Park, and it was the biggest independent, number one uh, first week since Doggy Style. So I was pan You know, I was like, oh, i got to get some stuff out. If I had released my shit when I was 18, I mean, I'd been making music for a long time then, and it was fine. But if I had released that instead of waiting until the time was right, A lot of people that I know, they've been telling me for a long time to release my stuff, and I finally am now. But I'm happy I waited till now, and I'm happy that I'm about to drop a lot of fucking music now because I'm ready, and I'm in such a zone that I don't see any uh, end in the foreseeable future. Like, it's just, it's it's very easy for me. I I make a track every day. If I don't make a track, you know, I've made a track every single weekday and almost every single week for, I don't know, two-plus months, just do the work and just have patience and don't compromise yourself in order to fit somebody else's agenda don't if the, if you like wearing a ski mask and they're telling you to take the ski mask off don't take the ski mask off mm-hmm. you'll find a way but i will say this nothing's guaranteed everything takes a little bit of luck i think paul newman once said that any any man who thinks luck isn't involved is an idiot it, it it's true yeah but it's taking advantage of the opportunity you're given when you get lucky take advantage of it you know what i mean hmm. so yeah patience and just work just don't complain there's a lot there's a long time where i instead of working or just minding my own business i've cared about what other people were doing or what other people's successes or being jealous or resentful for no reason just do the work don't worry about what anyone else is doing if you love it you'll do it You know what i mean Mm -hmm. if you don't love it then don't do it it's not worth it it's not it's too much work it's too much like emotional exhaustion really to do something like that so yeah that would be the one word i'd take away is patience i'm dropping my debut album almost 26. yeah
1: let's get into that so 2019.
0: so my ep which is like my i guess my debut project that comes out january 11th okay that's called the night is showing its hand um the album will come out mid March. It's called Panic Room, um, and then I intend on dropping two months after that, uh, collab album with my homie Fat Brand. Our name is Race Stripe, and with the album name as of right now, I'm thinking is Testarossa because that's my favorite car. Big Ferrari guy, mm. got the logo tied on my rib like an asshole. Hey. Um, <laughs> Most painful experience of my life. <laughs> um, and then uh, two months after that, I'm gonna uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get the punk album out, which uh, ten of titles, uh, the kids are not alright. Cool. And then after that, um, I made an album for, uh, I made like an R.B. album, which is kind of like a dedication to a particular person. So I don't quite have a name for it yet. I had one, but I'm kind of messing around with it. So by the time that that's out, it'll be September, which I like to, even though I'm dropping the album in March and the EP, you know, in a few weeks. Uh, there's a certain pocket that I think my music fits into for the Slim Bambino stuff, because it's darker. It's it's more on the low end. It's not necessarily something you listen to while you're like driving around in summertime with the top down. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's, it is, but it's it just it, it fits in a certain area of time, at least for me. And it kind of calls back to times that I found that I found that sound in a dark room where I was sleeping on an air mattress during the summer in Tucson when I was listening to Jesus. With all the blinds closed and in this headspace of just distortion and 808s and all this shit, just fuzziness. So, I'll always probably, but on a yearly basis, try to drop my shit while, you know, sprinkling stuff along the way. You know, songs that just don't fit anywhere, I'll just drop or whatever. And then I'll have the supplemental albums always coming out as well. Just because something I did for a long time is like I'd sit down and I would tell myself, make this type of song. And you'd drive yourself fucking nuts doing that. So instead it's like I'll sit down with a sample I like or just like a harmony I had in my head and I'll try to do a flip on it two or three times or even if the first flip's good enough I'm like I don't know what I'm making and it allows me to free up my for lack of a better phrase creative juices like it just I'm not subjecting myself to make this type of song like well I can make kind of like the you know bouncy 96 tempo but man this would sound kind of good if it was like 110 or like 110 130 pocket a little more housey. Um, And then you could, you know, half the beat for a beat switch at the end, and then all of a sudden it's hip-hop. And now you just made two separate songs within one. So stuff like that. So it's vital that I continue to drop shit that doesn't necessarily fall into the Slim a window. Gotcha, yeah. So it's kind of the trajectory I'm hoping to keep up year by year. Because without music, I mean, I'm going home right after this, and I'm just going to, that's basically the plan for the day. So... Yeah, I, it's I have to do it it's for for my own insanity whether it yeah. means stuff going on in my life currently before whatever or dealing with the stuff in the past I mean that's again it's one of those outlets where it's like disregard all the pre-existing conditions I've uh, dealt with a particular amount of loss that I think you know is high for somebody who realistically I'm from the suburbs you know but you know I've uh, I'm not necessarily bound to the generalization of what that usually means so you take that how it is but it's it music is uh... something that is it's important to everyone i mean when you meet somebody who doesn't like music you probably just should keep walking because it's just something that i think is you know it's sound it's 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 one of our senses it's supposed to make you feel a certain way like i said Mm -hmm. like uh... it allows people to do good things do bad things i mean um... do things that they've been putting off not do things, they've, but you know, it's 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 like drink. It's like alcohol. It's alcohol is always going to be there. Mm-hmm. You lose your job, you get a job, you get an A, you get an F, you get hired, you get fired. So it's it's it's. I think that in the same way that there's just particular things that are necessary to everyone's life, and especially for me, music is just like uh, I have I have to have it.
1: And last but not least, you have that headline show at the yep. resident mm-hmm. on January 10th.
0: Yep. So the the EP will drop right before I get on stage, okay. technically because the way that you know streaming works, it's like every East Coast times everything drops at nine here.
1: So,
0: yeah, yeah, it's it's gonna be fun. I've been working. I it's funny because like uh, whenever I book a show, I like I don't like doing too many shows. I mean, performing is my favorite thing to do. I knew it was going even before my first show. I knew I was gonna be it was I was gonna be good at it, and I'm not trying to you know gloat or anything, but it's just something that I grew up watching videos of my entire childhood. I mean, whether it was Dub C, Sea Walking on the Up and Smoke tour, or um, Freddie Mercury at the Live Aid, you know, Snoop and Dre at the Up and Smoke tour, like the same tour, or, I mean, Watch the Throne tour, and it's it's an energy that I knew I'd fall into. So whenever I, you know, like I said, I don't like doing shows too often, like at most maybe like every two, three months, because they're special to me. Not one of my sets are the same, and they all have a different title to them. I treat them as movies, almost. Um, I don't talk, I don't like talking on stage, I've never understood that, you know, I didn't come to watch people speak, I came to listen to music, so. I put a lot into the sets. I, I come out with a lot of music, I mean, ever since I started working on the set, I came out with an album worth of songs, which, shit, now, some of them may go on the album, and I already have basically my second album done, so I'm way ahead of schedule. It's, it's gonna be a good time. I'm working on maybe getting a visual for it too, this time around, which will be uh, will be cool, So. um yeah, performances are great they give me like an actual shot clock rather than like my own shot clock right it's easy to be like I'm gonna wake up at 6 tomorrow and it's like who's telling you to it's like me and it's like all right and then you, you get the six of you know Earl Sweatshirt comes on at six and all of a sudden you're like swing wake up seven <laughs> you know what I mean cuz no, but you're not under contract you're not you're not at uh, you didn't agree to be responsible for a particular thing you know what I mean so um, and plus I mean you're ba- people are you got you have to I mean if people are showing up to watch you basically dance around and sing your songs you know what I mean yeah. not to say that they're doing me a favor I mean it's it's good stuff so I've, I won't say that but it's you have it, I think it's a artist's responsibility to put on a fucking good show totally. or else you're just if anything with some of the new school guys that's one thing I, I don't like it's just most of them don't even sing when they're up there or whatever but it, hey if they put on a good show they put on a good show right Um. That's the most important part. That's how you get fans. I mean, music's music, but like when they see you in person, it's different. It's different when I saw D'Angelo live. It's different when I saw Prince live. It's different when I saw the Chili Peppers live. It's different when I saw, you know, any Jackson Brown with with my parents. That person that you love, or that person's music you like, or that person that you don't even know. I mean, my favorite thing to do sometimes. I went to, uh, I you know, show put on by ICM uh, a month or two ago, and you know, I came away with. Like two artists, I was like, "Wow, I've never heard of them, and I love them." I went to a, I go to a lot of punk shows, and I, there was one particular I saw uh, this band Russo. They're up there, probably top three albums with <laughs> pushing, um, uh, Playboy. Like it's just they're incredible. Performances are the most key part, I think, to me, for sure. Yeah, they put me in a good space too, because it's like it's a deadline. Like you got to hit it. Right. You got it. You got to perform. Got to be in good shape. Got to be able to. I have a lot of energy and shit, and I also don't have, I don't really keep a lot of time to breathe in my verses, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's it's you know, I, I literally have to practice in my house, as crazy as that sounds, <laughs> like literally bouncing oh, yeah. around by myself, listening right. to songs, getting breath control down and all that shit, because it's important, for sure, yeah. but yeah, it should be a good time. I'm excited, I'll be there. Yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. can everyone find you? the the regular stuff i'm not big on social media uh instagram i i would say is like the main thing i'm under bambi seagal b-a-m-b-i-i-s-e-g-a-l and then everything else is just slimby albino yes i know that i should probably change that to some baby as well and just have the thing i've been told that many times but uh what what is what is seagal um like it it goes back to the whole moniker thing i just another name yeah yeah i was a i'm a uh I grew up uh, as a kid as a big like '80s action film fan, so I love like my <laughs> my heroes on that aspect were like Sly and Arnold and John claude Van Dam's a goat, but like Steven Seagal, I mean, before he went fucking ape shit, like right. he was the man, like above the lot. Like what? <laughs> Are you joking me? Like. <laughs> that's fire, like, it, yeah. under siege, like, so, I mean, but it's, it uh, above all that, like, it's just, it just sounds good to me, like, Bambi Seagal with a capital G, they went for the God, so I had to OD, you know what I mean, so, yeah. um, and it's also an ode to Biggie, originally it was, uh, it's funny, I barely mentioned him, but he's, he's up there too, but, you know, he's the Notorious B.I.G., when I first came out with Slim Bambino, I was the Slim Bambino, um, and then he was, primarily known as Biggie Smalls. So Bambi Seagal, BSBS, same, same initials. Gotcha. So that was, that's, that's uh I don't even know if I've ever told anybody that, but yeah, that's that's kind of the main story behind it. Okay, cool. Sonically, it just sounds good though, Bambi Biggie Smalls, Bambi Seagal.
1: It does, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, rolls off the tongue. It does. Well,
1: that's it, thank you.
0: Cool, man, Yeah. Slim thanks, Amino. For me.
1: thanks for coming on. Again, the show, if you're in LA, January 10th resident, get your tickets now before there are no longer any left.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a limited skew but limited skew. take uh, shelter before the storm hits <laughs> set coming <laughs> thank you man all right thank you